Wait, that's a thing? Never heard of it. Oh, you have no idea. This is Haven Space, a safe place for fantasies. Brought to you by sex coach and researcher Sarah Perry. Hi, folks. This is Sarah Perry, and welcome back to Haven Space. Today, we're going to be discussing parthenophilia, which is a sexual attraction to virgins and virginity. By the end of this podcast, you should know a little more about this fetish, what it is, what it isn't, what we know about it, where it came from, where to find it, and how to go about making this happen for yourself with all of the consent, respect, and pleasure that our bodies are worthy and capable of. Thank you for joining me. So parthenophilia really has to do with um, the idea of virginity when it comes to these really heterosexual, uh, heteronormative ideas. So penis in vagina, penetration, sex. In other terms, we don't typically use the, the, the word virginity to describe what is happening. When you have two lesbians, for example, they could use toys, they could use fingers, they could use tongues to penetrate, and we wouldn't actually consider that virginity. In fact, there have been a lot of studies about changing that uh, term, and in modern sexuality studies and sexology papers, we actually call it something different. We have started calling it sexual debuts. This means and incorporates a lot more things. For example, a person could have a sexual debut that is pornographic the first time they ever watched porn. You could have a sexual debut that is the first time you made out and took your clothes off with someone, the first sexual debut of um, your sexual debut of, for example, uh, orgasming, orgasming with someone else. So these are all kind of terms that can be used that incorporate more activities than just penis and vagina sex. This is sometimes called, this fetish of virgins, is sometimes called defloration fetishes because, you know, we use the term deflowering to take somebody's virginity. Like, that's something that you can take. Um, Note, though, virginity does not mean that you have a lack of sexual expertise, right? So there are a lot of people who... Um, haven't been penetrated and have not shared their body with somebody else in that way, but absolutely have a lot of sexual expertise in other ways that just hasn't gotten to that aspect of sexuality. They could also have a lot of sexual desires and in fact have a pretty defined outline of their kinks, fetishes, and attractions without ever having engaged in penetration. I like to put it this way, you know what you don't like more than what you do like. Uh, when someone gives you their hard limits, they're actually telling you, yeah, this is something I'm not even interested in trying. And there are people in all walks of life who are absolutely not interested in any form of penetration. People are always surprised when I tell them, you do know there are gay men who do not have anal sex. And they think this is just absolutely shocking. But in fact, you get to define exactly how your sexual experiences look and what things you are not interested in trying and what things you are. In this podcast, I'm hoping will give you that feeling of permission to explore as you see fit, but never feel pressured to go somewhere you don't want to go. Another interesting little note I want to bring up is that at times, people who have not been penetrated before, as we're calling virgins now, they can identify as being extremely sexually dominant, which throws a big kink in a lot of these fetishes because so many of the fetish for dominating 
a virgin have to do with that virgin being submissive and you needing to be soft and sweet and helping them through this process and not about them being like, oh, the moment I get on top of you, I'm done. You're totally done. There's also um, a lot of talk in the circles for virginity fetishes about bleeding, defloration bleeding, the fact that once penetrated for the first time, there should be some amount of blood. So this definitely dates back from the ideas of the sheet check in the Renaissance where they would check to see if there was blood on the sheets after the wedding night as evidence that the person had never been penetrated before. But one may bleed and one may not bleed every time or any time they are penetrated simply because of how our bodies work. Sometimes our tissue is a little bit thinner than other times. There have been times that people who have even had children and have many sexual experiences will bleed during intercourse. That's not necessarily a sign that anything either shouldn't be there or caused rupture of any other tissue. So let's go back to a little bit of history. The idea of virginity and the way that we have come to use it today, colloquially and are hopefully um, working our way out of using, comes from the idolation of the Virgin Mary. Um, During the Byzantine Empire, so around the 1300s, there was a lot of belief that Mary and Jesus were actually the center of the cosmos. So not just this universe, every universe. And that because of their purity and what they had accomplished, the fact that baby Jesus had been born of a virgin which of course we now know historically is inaccurate because Mary actually had children before Jesus. But besides the fact she was a virgin through the conception of Jesus, then that became such a focal point. In fact, it became something that differentiated evilness, the evilness of women in the woman's body that was embodied through Eve and the consumption of the apple. And it actually switched it to purity. Therefore, becoming sacred, right? So the Virgin Mary became this like sacred figure. Virginity became a link to the divine. What's more is that this divinity became so important that men were then taught to protect and love and cherish that divinity. And it was their role to protect that in ways that our society no longer uses for men to protect women. In fact, once one has lost one's virginity, then the kind of permissiveness to be lewd, the permissiveness to rape, to assault, to take women's bodies, then was completely acceptable. And you can easily see this translated into today's society. When a woman is assaulted or raped after leaving a nightclub, someone will say, oh, well, she was a whore, she was a slut, so she was dancing provocatively, these guys can take it. The link between our purity and our ability to keep our body safe and therefore have people respect our body autonomy is very linked to the idea that people haven't had any kind of access to our pleasure. So biblically, we see over and over the dichotomy between the whores in the Bible and the virgins, and there's no one that's in between. You don't get to exist as a regular person who has no link to your sexual pleasure. In fact, you are either a whore or a virgin that then became a mother and stayed at home and da 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 also cool to note is that one of the ways that 
they proved that you had been engaging in sexual intercourse, penis and vagina sex, during the Renaissance was to have children. So, for example, Queen Elizabeth I, she never had any children. So, to this day, she is called the Virgin Queen, even though she was like 43 when she died. And no one really knows what happened to her sexual escapades, but because she didn't bear children, she is considered a virgin. Now, virginity made a lot of sense in places where we didn't have other ways to establish paternity and paternity mattered. Because nowadays, knowing who the father is is probably not as important as it was at a time when literally you were figuring out lineages to take over kingdoms. So, of course, marrying someone who was a virgin was important to make sure that your children were their children. I guess no one should tell them that people also cheat and have affairs. But there are archaic tests that were conducted during medieval times that were what we would now consider pretty much sexual assault to check for hymen, to check for um, tightness, to see if it was painful to be penetrated by fingers. And sometimes these were not conducted by doctors at all. Not that doctors know anything about protecting your body autonomy, but these are tests conducted sometimes by clergy, sometimes conducted by assistants of the court. So nothing that would make you feel medically safe at all and nothing we would be able to give medical consent for nowadays. Then we move forward to like the 18 and 1900s. England had prostitutes that were auctioning off their virginities all the time, even later undergoing quote-unquote hymen repair surgeries that to have their virginity look like they it was back. But I'm going to tell you some shocking information coming up here. Hymens are not real. But nowadays, we still have people auctioning off their virginity, and somehow it seems more acceptable than other forms of prostitution. Like this idea that because you're doing this one-off thing, it's acceptable, but if you make it a habit to be exposed to this type of behavior, then it's not acceptable. There's also a link between virginity and cleanliness. We would just naturally assume that someone who hasn't had intercourse, penis and vagina sex, then has never developed the risk of STDs and STIs and STPs. But they have, in fact, as we know, there are many diseases that you can get from friction and there are many diseases you can get from literally existing in the same space as other people. So in the time of COVID, let's go ahead and say that you not having been penetrated is definitely not a reason that you are less at risk than others to be sick. So while we've already talked about that the definition of virginity is archaic and in fact untrue, um, it's definitely something that can be defined in the binary of male-female. It's something that men gain and that women lose. And purity culture as a value system, as a system that proves that you are a good person, is a big part of American culture and Western culture in general. So much so that our reproductive rights, our ability to have access to birth control, vasectomies, abortions, are all linked to ways to punish women for sexual behavior. These things are ways to punish women for sexual behavior that even they didn't want. (laughs) We have literal people getting raped and assaulted and they have to prove they were raped in order to have access to the coverage for an abortion. 
they have to prove that they are going to die, physically be in mortal danger if they carry a child to term, simply because they have chosen to engage in sexual intercourse. So very much our our uh, reproductive rights and reproductive access in our culture is stems from this idea that purity is your right. Purity is what gives you value. And if you didn't have purity, then not only do you not have value, but we can't trust you to make choices for yourself. The ironic part here is that pussy is then super commoditized. It's completely acceptable to use your virginity in transaction for a wedding ring, in transaction for safety. I mean, the idea that you as a woman in a female body are more worthy of protection from the people around you or are more valuable because of your hymen, a a piece of skin that we haven't even found is just really super crazy. And the idea that you could then not necessarily auction it off, but basically auction off your virginity and your loyalty and your respectability for the right man, the right position, the right situation, kind of, I think, splits hairs a little bit, especially as it comes um, apart from the idea of prostitution. And when we consider things like the fact that some areas still hold purity balls, they still give out purity rings, like promise rings, to commit yourself until you find the person that you're supposed to marry and live forever and ever with. Um, And some countries like South Africa even have scholarships, university scholarships for people who are virgins. Let's not even talk about who would be responsible for checking, physically checking to see if this is true. Um... These are very, very problematic ideas. Firstly, conflating somebody's value and moral stance with their sexual behaviors, but also acknowledging that a person who is likely to become a mother is no longer worthy of respect and in some cases, even an education. What does this say about how we prioritize people's ability to take their own futures into their own hands? When people make comments about meritocracy, people make comments about how you could work really hard and achieve things. Well, acknowledge that there are these small nuanced ways in which someone else makes decisions, judgment calls on your ability to work hard based on your sexual behaviors. Especially when we know that there is actually no medical way to look for virginity. There's no way to tell if someone has never been penetrated. Gynecologists all over differ on their opinion of whether or not a hymen even exists. If you look at, you can just go ahead and Google this, do it for yourself just so you can be as shocked as I was. You can go online and look at images of hymens. And what you have is a bunch of pictures of different pussies and pussies are all different. And whether they are fabricated or they're absolutely um, the pussies that people were born with, they change and they even change over time. And there is no thin film that covers the opening, the vaginal opening, unless someone has been born with a specific type of condition that we tend as a society to try to fix. In fact, there are surgeries to open up vaginal openings, but this is not a common thing. I don't think anybody is abnormal. I just think it's not super typical to have something covering the vaginal opening. 
Again, blood is not even an indication of having never been penetrated. You can have blood at any point and for no reason, simply because the tissues lining the vagina are filled with blood vessels and are likely to just bleed if you're penetrated in a certain way that that day your body doesn't feel like having or is just more delicate too. Penetration is also not an indication of if you are sexually mature or experienced. Plenty of people, like I was noting, have a ton of sexual experience, are extremely sexually mature, and have never had any type of penetration. I should also note that first, vaginal penetrations don't have to hurt. I know that sounds crazy because everything we've ever been told is that it'll be uncomfortable and you just have to grin and bear it. But that comes from a narrative where women don't have conversations about their own pleasure and therefore never expect to have pleasure. But you actually can figure out how to have penetrative sex that is comfortable and feels good. Most of the time, it simply has to do with lubrication and the angle and waiting for your body to be comfortable in that moment. If you want tips on how to do it, let me know later and I'll record a video just for first time vaginal penetration and tips on how to make it feel fantastic and not painful for anybody involved. But sometimes when I talk about these situations in other places in countries and locations, they may not resonate with you. You may think, well, this is not what's going on in my country, in my community. But as recently as two years ago, rapper T.I. came out and said that his daughter has yearly hymen checks. His daughter, by the way, who's like 17. So you're telling me that she's going to a gynecologist and someone is looking for a film covering her vaginal opening. First of all, you don't even start going to the gynecologist normally unless you have an issue until after you have had any kind of penetration or you have gotten to an age where it wouldn't be uncomfortable to have penetration because you literally have something shoved in there and opens you up wide. So if you think that hymens are real, then how would you then go to the gynecologist and have them look at your cervix? And by the way, super important for them to go look at your cervix because they need to make sure and test to see if you have precancerous cells because as we know, cervical cancer is super common in young women. So no, you can't just wait your whole life to be de-virginized so that you can go to the doctor and make sure your body's healthy. The shocking part is that you have someone with privilege and with money and they're using it to then have their child basically assaulted to make sure she has something that she obviously doesn't have because she's going to the doctor that goes through that piece of flesh. Here's a real kicker. Hymenoplasties cost about 5,000 bucks and they're common all over the world. You can get your pussy sealed shut by a thin film of flesh for just about five grand. And the crazy part is that when you look this fucking surgery up, it literally says, quote unquote, it's not considered particularly invasive. So let me tell you, whoever the fuck is writing that is not someone with a vagina, okay? I'd like to have uh, anybody with a penis volunteer to have the tip of their penis sewn shut and let's see how particularly invasive that is. Also, just know that I'm not just a lunatic. The World Health Organization in 2014 actually came out against virginity testing and in fact said that they absolutely have no scientific validity whatsoever. Look it up. So what would bring people to be attracted to virginity or the idea that someone has never been penetrated? 
Well, a lot of what I came up with is simply the idea that they would have to be gentle, that they would have to be soft, and that they would have no one to be compared to. Imagine the freedom of having sex with someone who really believes that you are trying your best and that you are taking care of them and that this is going to turn out wonderful for both of you because that's the intention. Oh my God, that should be how every sexual experience we ever have is. You should always assume positive intent from the people that you are fucking. It seems baffling to me that there has to be a fetish for people to feel like they are demanded gentleness. There's also a movement for um, ejaculation withholding, something like sexual kung fu. You can actually look this up. But it's for the purpose of like a higher mental state and because it makes it easier to achieve other kinds of orgasm, especially for people who have penises. A lot of times we've been taught that ejaculation is the, other, the only way that people with penises can orgasm. But in fact, there's a bunch of other orgasms and choosing to withhold ejaculation can be a way of achieving those other orgasms in a much more kind of obtainable way. Note also that female virginity, women's virginity tends to be praised and prioritized where male virginity is pretty much ridiculed. Um, and the only points where I found even mention of male virginity would be in cuckolding situations, a lot of times related to penile size and people who felt embarrassed about their penis size and that no one would ever want to fuck them, but that becomes a source of their arousal. So then it translates to these dynamics where they're being cuckolded and kept a virgin specifically in dynamics of humiliation, but consensual humiliation, and in dynamics where they actually feel really empowered and sexy by the idea of someone keeping them in this virginity state. Ironically enough, our culture considers this fetish completely acceptable and appropriate. Um, this is a quote from Hayne Blank in her book, Virgin, An Untouched History. What is problematic about it, though, is that there are ways that this has not been studied that keep us from understanding whether or not this could actually be a problem. For example, are there links to specific sexual behavior? If someone is attracted to children, we immediately jump into the concept of the fact that they're going to rape children, molest children, that they are a danger to society. But someone who has similar attractions towards virgins has never been scrutinized about whether or not they would then go further and start raping people to take away their virginity or coercing or forcing people into sex when they weren't ready. You wouldn't, th that hasn't even been studied. We haven't even posed that question. We also have imposed questions about whether or not they engage in coerced prostitution. Are they going up to very young people and saying, I'm going to give you this if you fuck me because you're so into the fact that they have never been penetrated. We also haven't studied what type of sexual encounters. Are they more likely to engage in date rape because they want to get through this boundary that obviously is a pretty big boundary to someone who has not had that happen before. In fact, like I was mentioning, likely they just haven't wanted to be penetrated. But this kind of fetish, our society has deemed as inconsequential. So we assume that people actually are just attracted to purity and kindness and softness, and we don't think that this could be something problematic. So much so that people that have this fetish also seem not to seek help. 
It hasn't been widely studied even in the psych community. It's not referenced in the DSM-5. And Freud, the king of studying everything sexual and making it a problem, didn't even write one fucking sentence about it. So why is it that we have felt so comfortable with fetishizing virginity? Well, the evidence has to be in the link between our shameful sexual behaviors and religious mores. The fact that religiously this fetish is praised and this fetish is endorsed has now freed us from the responsibility of feeling any shame about this type of behavior. So very interesting that for once I'm talking about a fetish that doesn't bring anyone any shame and it just so happens to be something that was biblically ordained. So where can you find it? Check out FetLife. There are many groups. There's like 27 groups on virginity. Some are by location. One group was about people who were interested in losing their virginity, getting matched up with people who wanted to take virginities. And that group had like 1,500 people all over the world. So that would be a really positive place to look for someone if you are interested in this kind of virginity loss play. Also, you could play in dominant submissive role plays, especially with virgin cuckolds like I was talking about, specifically for people who are wanting to keep their partners focused on them exclusively in forms of pleasure withholding and that kind of torture. You can also feel totally safe doing this in queer circles with coercion play like, no, I've never wanted to do this, but just play with the coercion play and don't actually be coercive. Um, And you could also role-play parent-child dynamics, which of course are going to be like on the edgier side of kink. Now, how do you do it and how do you prepare? First of all, people are not just a sum of their experiences. So make sure you actually like the person, that you're engaging with them, that they're aware that this is something you fetishize, and acknowledge also for them that there has to be aftercare involved in a new experience sexually, especially a new experience that will never be the same again. The thing about the first time being a fetish for you is that the first time will only happen once. Therefore, having aftercare, having a feeling of the fact that you will still care about this person and hold them to high regard and care about them, even if you don't plan on sleeping with them again, is extremely important. There have been a lot of studies about depressive episodes in people who have held on until marriage because of religious dogma. And then once having had penetrative sex, actually feel that there is no sex they will ever be able to have that will compare, especially in terms of giving a gift to another partner. So it's really super important that we provide before care and after care for these types of really big emotions that can come up when you do new stuff that makes you vulnerable. Um, And how to be safe? Well, People can still have STDs, STIs, and STPs if they have never been penetrated. So it's still a good idea to get tested. It's still a good idea to use barriers and condoms um, and really to have expectations about who is going to be bringing barriers for the encounter, to have conversations about how situations surrounding uh, pregnancy if you are in a different sex situation and really have clear expectations about boundaries so that you are not having to do things on the fly. Establish a traffic light system like I always advise, and I think that you'll be good. 
So to recap, today we talked about parthenophilia, sexual attraction to virgins. We talked about what it is. We talked about what it isn't. We talked about where it comes from, medieval times, religion. We talked about the fact that it's crazy that we still believe in hymens when no doctor says that this is absolutely a thing that is there. But plenty of plastic surgeons are willing to take your money and, by the way, tell you having something that seals up your pussy is not considered, quote, particularly invasive. We talked about the World Health Organization, who said that there's no scientific validity to virginities. We talked about how fucking problematic it is to break someone down into the lack of sexual experience and the fact that virginity doesn't necessarily mean you have a lack of sexual experience. So that's all for today, and I will catch you next time. This has been another podcast of Haven Space. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Haven Space by Sarah and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Haven Space by Sarah. If you enjoyed this talk, consider becoming a patron and helping fund more talks like this in the future.